Okay, welcome to Should Have Backed It. We're back on our Wednesday night time slot and just in time. Big car this week across two states, so we'll get right in. I'll start with uh, News Corp racing editor Chris Venuccio, who we do call Big V on this show. Big V, how are you? And can you tell us our Should Have Backed It and Should Have Sacked It for the week? Hello, John, and hello, Phil, who you're going to introduce later on. But I'll start off with my should have backed it and I was spoiled for options this week and I'll go with Right You Are in the Australian Guineas prelude. Had to, I thought he had to step up again against some deeper opposition. But when, you know, horses are deep in their prep, there's always that question if there's going to be a, a drop-off in that next race. But the Ma Eustace stable just keeps on getting these horses to add to that picket fence. It was a fast race here and that a fast race here and that also helped a, a rock-hard fit horse. And for my should have sacked it, I'm going to go with Shuffle Dancer, Wide Barrier, and always going to concede ground to Revolutionary Miss. And I think that's all I need to say about Shuffle Dancer. All right. Our other guest each week is our punting expert, Philip Georgios. G'day, Phil. What about your should have backed it and should have sacked it from the week? Yeah, we've just returned from uh, from Radelaide and we're back to a big card this week, uh, John. But in terms of what I had as much should have backed it last week, um, I went straight to the, the main race there in Victoria, the new market. Um, it's easy to say in hindsight, but gee, that was a great win by In Secret. And in the end, I thought she probably ended up overs. I think just with the jockey change and bit of nervousness around that uh you probably got a good price in the end and i got a little bit too uh excited about rocking horse who I was, I was getting at great odds and probably could have had that bet at one of the favorites and in secret was the one that stood out to, to me um as the second pick um as for my should have sacked it uh, i went to the coolmore so the big race there in sydney as well and this one might be a little bit tough on the horse given it pulled up lane but I had Anna Visto, who ended up um, running a, a last. Um, look, we talked about the pattern of this horse last time on, or last week on the podcast or a couple of weeks ago. Um, probably could have found better value on the day and it ended up being Espiona, which I, I probably wouldn't have chosen, but still was a little bit disappointed in Anna Visto's run. Well, we might stay there, boys, and uh, and go to the two group ones. So uh, while we're on the Coolmore, Chris, what did you think of the race? I thought uh, Espiona and She's a Belter were in that prime spot in the run and they were just going so fast with Ana Visto um, as well as the, the, the pride of Jenny. But it, when you when you watch the, the race, Espiona just got the gaps on the inside while She's a Belter had to circle the front runners. And I think if you switch their positions in the running, I think you'll get a, you, you would have got a different result. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, we, you know, Phil mentioned Anavisto before, uh, and we did talk on a previous show about whether or not Anavisto could get around the Sydney way of going. And I'm sure you guys will say that that's not the only reason it failed. But uh, the other horse that went into the race with doubts about being a Sydney horse is the winner, Espiona. So I do want to ask you both whether uh, whether this race was coming or did she just strike the right field at the right time. Yeah, I've got to admit, John, um, I've been a big Espiona fan, even back to its last win there in Melbourne, but I didn't want to have a bar of it going around the Sydney way uh, in a big group one like the Coolmore. Uh, I think he ended up getting $8, so if you did hold the faith, you were well rewarded. But, yeah, I just I didn't feel bad at all when I saw that cross the line first because it just didn't enter my thoughts, to be honest. Yeah, I think it was hard to tip against 
Ana Vista, even though there might have been some concerns whether she might be a bit flat second up, but she's pulled up lame, so she's had excuses. But I would I would have been hard to to have gone with Espiona because it did one did win a good race in Melbourne, but I think this would have been I thought this would have been a, a bit of a step up for her. And it wasn't a convincing win, I didn't think in Melbourne. Got it around the right way, and, and that's great. But yeah, not not the kind of lead up win that I was going to take into a race like the Coolmore. So then we uh, we go to the other handicap, the new market. And both these um, both these fields were very generously priced, which you often get because they're both handicaps. Chris, how did you go with In Secret? Did you get it? Well, Phil made a, a good point earlier with you should have backed it with In Secret, and it's very rare that he does so. But yeah, I, I did think there there was a a big overreaction to her price when Jamie Carr, yeah, was um, after the fall involving Jamie Carr and Craig Craig Williams, and she was unable to take the ride. But I was I was against her as well because I thought she needed to make that big jump from her second up run. But James Cummings was able to do that and have her performing to her spring peak here. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll get into the undercard from uh, from Saturday. So uh, a few a few winners we've picked out. A few big races. There was obviously we're starting to get some uh, Group Twos and Group Threes in big numbers on these these cards, especially up in Sydney. Uh, we'll go first to Flemington's the Matron and the Cooney Cerulio Miss took out the Matron Stakes. Revolutionary Miss took out the uh, the Cooney. I'll start with you, Chris. What did you make of those races? Well, I'll start off with the, the CUNY stakes. And as I mentioned earlier, I was with Shuffle Dancer and I had it was a toss-up between her and Revolutionary Miss, but I went the wrong way. I just thought um, you know, Shuffle Dancer may not have got too far back, but Revolutionary Miss was in a, a good spot. Even though it was a bit you, – you would have been a bit nervous if you were on her, you know, from Barrier 1. She did need to get a gap that opened, that did open for her. And we saw later on in the last race, Barrier 1 for the favourite didn't quite pan out. And then in the CUNY, I was on Barb Raider. She had no excuses. She just couldn't keep up with Cerulejo Miss. Maybe she had to do a bit extra to find that forward position. But, you know, Cerulejo Miss was able to maintain a really good tempo throughout. And I think with um, Exolita, I think the 1600 sees her out. But she's going very well, and I think she can win going back to 1,400 metres in the right race. You took the word right out of my mouth there, Big V. I was going to say that uh, Exolita looked to be the, the horse to follow, outside the winner, of course, who won dominantly. Um, I think you're being a little bit harsh on Barb Raid. I thought it was a pretty solid run, about around to about my expectations in that race. I was actually on So You See. I, I took the... Uh, took the option to have another crack at it and again a little bit like Espiona that horse cannot be trusted so probably should have been in my sack file but I think it's already been there so I didn't want to have it feature twice in a couple of weeks. Yeah I don't think I was too harsh on Barb Raider I just think that she didn't she didn't have any excuses she was in a good spot just no match for Cyrileo Miss. And the other uh, the other horse that caught my attention on the day was Zoo Gotcha winning the Group Two Farlap. That does make it a favourite, outright favourite for the Doncaster. I'm, I'm assuming you guys caught it at least the tail end of that. Yeah, it was a great win by Zoo Gotcha. I mean, the kind of win you'd expect from a horse that started SP dollar fifty. Uh, you kind of felt like it had a bit in the tank. I think it won by about a length, but never really looked like it was going to be threatened for that victory and. One like the horse, a horse that was better than its opposition. Um, it does have to step up big time now. I think you mentioned 
um, that it's it's going into the Doncaster, and I think it might even be favoured for that. I'm not sure I'd quite have it there, but yeah, we'll see how that field settles uh, over the next week or so. And Chris, we uh, I'll get a comment from you on the two-year-olds. So obviously, you have the sort of the prelim finals or the last chance saloon in Sydney. They were won by Steel City and Shinzo for the Phillies, and then the Colts and Geldings, respectively. And then uh, maybe a comment on V8's win in the size produce. I was surprised by how well Steel City went. She was just fantastic on the weekend. I, I thought the other Blue Diamond might have flattened her because it was a, a tough on-speed effort. But I think I think um, her win was a lot better than Shinzo's. It's just now that she's just got to back that up now a week later, and she's had a you know pretty busy preparation as well. And with V8. Uh, V8 looks untapped, still has to keep improving going to Sydney, but that's possible because he's had just the two starts and he's only had to do what's necessary to win. So we don't know what's under the bonnet. There might be a lot more to come. Yeah, I thought of those two-year-old races this week, Steel City was clearly clearly the pick of, of those horses that came out of that race. I was glad to see it get its maiden win and it's, it was interesting that they put it up on speed. Um, definitely can stay out of trouble there, and and I still reckon reckon uh, represents overs in the Golden Slipper, and I think we'll probably talk about that in a little while. Indeed, indeed. All right, now just with V eight, that happened to be the same race that we saw two jockeys hit the deck, two of the high profile jockeys in Melbourne, Craig Williams and Jamie Carr. Now Williams has got uh, he's injured his shoulder. Um, Jamie's been in, uh, she had a bad concussion. She was sedated for a few days. She's communicating with her family as we go to air. Um, what, yeah, what was your take out of, Chris, you would have been watching on television, so what was your take out of the impact that has had on the jockey pool, keeping in mind there's also been uh, been the is- issue with James McDonald, who is actually going to go ahead and ride on Saturday, having provisionally been suspended. Yeah, the, the fall on Saturday wasn't... Um... It didn't look as sickening as it did the week before, but the, the outcome was a lot worse. And, and um, you know, they're both pretty serious uh, in terms of injuries, but it's good to see that Jamie Carr is improving and that's um, that's good to hear. I saw some comments from Daniel Moore uh, yesterday and he made some interesting comments that the jockeys are riding pretty tight and there's really not a lot margin for error. So... I think um, that is something that maybe the jockeys need to be mindful as well. You know, give each other room. I know there's a, you know, some instances you like to, you know, box in, you know, your key roles in a race. But I think I do think that you've got to be aware of your fellow riders as well, and not just be so tight in racing. And that goes on to the the James McDonald um, situation because what he did could have resulted in a fall to. Amy McLucas, and I th- just think it's just luck that she didn't fall as well. And and I think J Mac is lucky to be riding on Saturday. You know, he appealed as was his ride. He had nothing to lose, and the result went in his favour. But I was very disappointed in the decision because, you know, as I mentioned, his his actions could have caused a fall. And at the very least, I thought he should have missed a Saturday meeting because you know where is the deterrent when jockeys can appeal, and more often than not, they're getting their sentences reduced. Yeah, it's really interesting, Big V, because I, I think with 
the jockey fall. Are you? Is the view that there are more jockeys falling and more injuries at the moment, or is it just that it happens to be a number of the high-profile jockeys involved in these incidents that a bit of a more of a light is being shone on it? Because if if there are issues and that need to be addressed, obviously they'll they'll have to look into that. Yeah, I think it's just because it's happened on Saturdays at feature Flemington meetings that it's getting that mainstream coverage as well. If it's happening during the week at these country meetings, it's not going to get so so much coverage on the 6 o'clock news. It's because it's happening on Group 1 days. Now, the racing spotlight went to South Australia last weekend as well. They had their cup meet on Monday, the public holiday for some states. Phil, you and I were actually over there for that. Um, I just thought I might get your take on uh, what you saw from a racing point of view, but also just as a fan, what, what the experience was like being at Morfordville. Yeah, it was a great day. I must say, I didn't, I didn't have really any expectations going into the day, be they good or bad. Just wanted to enjoy myself, and certainly did that. A, a great course there at Morfordville. Um, nice long straight. I felt like a little bit like I was at Caulfield, but perhaps uh, just a, a slightly smaller version of that. And yeah, it was a great atmosphere on course. I, I'm not sure what crowd they got, but you know, it was jam packed and a lot of people having fun. A really younger demographic as well, I noticed, which was um, interesting, probably compared to, say, going to the races in, in Melbourne as well, and a lot of entertainment to support that. So maybe it is something that we can we can look at over here in terms of how to promote the, the industry to a, to a younger audience as well. Um, definitely the highlight of the day for me was the Adelaide Cup itself, um, the atmosphere that was generated for that race and the real passion from the racing fans was notice, noticeable and... Yeah, it was a, an interesting, a bit of an upset result with Rebel Racer, who was purchased by Connections to, you know, win a maiden uh, hurdle at Warrnambool, has gone out and uh, won a Group 2 race just a couple starts later. So it's a it's a fantastic story and a great story for racing and an amazing performance. It's actually uh, spent the whole race all 3,200 metres ahead. In fact, a couple of people in front of me when it passed the post the first time actually cheered in celebration for the win, which was quite humorous. Okay, last uh, last one on Adelaide, uh, Chris Dallison. What happened there? Well, it just hasn't come back this campaign, and and was beaten quite convincingly as well. So you know the, the connections are deciding whether they might retire retire him, and you know couldn't. Um, he's done a, a pretty great job in his career. Twenty one Group Ones. He's finished top six in fourteen of them. And he's you know run well in you know races like the Doncaster Mole, Queen Elizabeth, Epson Handicap. So you wouldn't begrudge the owners deciding to retire him. He's just had a stellar career despite not winning a Group One. All right. Well, we'll look ahead to the uh, to the Group Ones this weekend. We've got five to choose from in Sydney, plus the All Star Mile, which is uh, not a stakes race by technical definition, but certainly has got a stakes field. Uh, I'll let you start, Chris, um, with the All-Star Mile. Tell us what you're looking forward to there. Well, I, I agree with the market. There's only three winning chances, Alligator Blood, I'm Thunderstruck, and Mr Brightside. I'm loath to jump off on I'm Thunderstruck because this is the race has been set for and maybe we've been assessing him too harshly over 1,400. If there's improvement in him, I think this is the time he's got to show it now. Now, Alligator Blood... I was thinking could be the safer bet with Keach and Gentleman Roy likely to set a crazy speed. And, and I don't think Blake Shin will fight for that lead. I think he'll take a sit and have Alligator Blood in the sweet spot. 
but I think he's getting a bit tight now around that 270, 280 price. So, you know, I think I'm Thunderstruck could be each way all day here. Look, I don't usually agree with Big V, uh, but I think he's got this spot on. Um, I, I mean, Alligator, again, deserved favourite, but at $6, I'd much rather play into an I'm Thunderstruck than Alligator Blood at $2.70. I don't think there's that big a difference between them. I do think I'm Thunderstruck has been set for this and will benefit from its two runs at 1,400, getting to 16, hotter pace. And as it stands, I think the better bet in that race. We'll go up to Sydney. We've got the Golden Slipper among the five group ones up there. Uh, Chris, you got something you're looking forward to here? I think Cylinder is improving every start and is a deserved favourite. But I think that... There's been an, a big overreaction to red resistance drawing the widest barrier because I think he'll be a lot fitter. He'll set a quicker tempo here and will give you know, Cylinder a tougher run this time around than what they had last start. And I don't think you can dismiss Don Corleone and King's Gambit as well. And still City, as I mentioned earlier, big win last weekend. Has to back that up again. I really liked Still City's win and I was really hoping to see it draw a gate for the Golden Slipper because that would have been my sneaky bet. And at $16 currently, I still might have a little dabble there, but it does worry me in the Golden Slipper coming from that wide. Uh, for me, the value bet is probably now King's Gambit, which is coming out of Barrier 7. Uh, and if you were to play a third, obviously Cylinder is the deserved favourite. So I'll be playing around those three. Haven't quite worked out my strategy, but they're the ones I'm looking at initially. And what about the rest of the card, Phil? Which are the other group ones are jumping out? I think we've got the Rose Hill Guineas, the Ranvet, the Galaxy, and the George Ryder. Yeah, so I had a quick look at that. Obviously, still early, and we've, we've still got a lot to play out before Saturday. But Gold Trip's return uh, was eye-catching. I know it had a, a great run, but I'm happy to play it at around the $4 mark in the Ranvet. Um, and... Gee, I'm still, I'm still, <laughs> I still need Eduardo to win that money for me. So uh, passive aggressive is, is haunting me in my sleep. So at eight dollars fifty in the galaxy, I'm giving Eduardo one more chance. I think I've made Pericles my best bet for the day in the Rose Hill Guineas, and I don't normally jump on the the all in markets, but I decided to take the four dollars on Pericles the day before acceptances because a lot of those nominations weren't going to be in the field, such as. Sharp and Smart, Af Cabin, Osipenko, Attrition, Communist. I thought that was a, a great opportunity there. And I just I see the main danger being Lindemann in that race. And in the Galaxy, Ashura dipped badly in the Oakley Plate, and so that was a big run to finish third. So I think keep her in mind, the Galaxy. All right, we'll move to the final furlong, gents. It is Slipper Day, Slipper being the Golden Slipper being one of the famed races on the calendar. Just thought we'd go down memory lane and get a, uh, a fond favourite slipper memory from the past from each of you. Uh, Phil, we'll go to you first. Probably the the Golden Slipper horse that stands out for me in memory is Miss Finland, who, and coincidentally was a was trained by South Australian David Hayes. But uh, yeah, her her Golden Slipper win definitely stood out. I think she had finished second in the Blue Diamond and I'd followed her in from that. Uh, she then, then went on to have a pretty amazing career. I think she won the Oaks as a three-year-old and a couple other group ones moving forward. But uh, you don't often hear about these slipper winners too far beyond their wins in the Golden Slipper. So she's probably one that I can really think about and think back fondly of in terms of her whole race career. I'm going to go to Crystal Lily in 2010. 
And I had a back then. I had a part share in a filly that defeated Crystal Lily on debut on Melbourne Cup Day, and and you think what could have been when you see Crystal Lily winning the Golden Slipper. But that's when I first learnt that spring two-year-old form is a lot different to autumn two-year-old form. Gents, thank you very much for doing this this week. We'll back good to be back in our regular Wednesday slot, and uh, the group ones out of Sydney keep on raining, and we've also had the Australian Cup preview next week as well. So looking forward. To chatting with both of you then. Thanks, John, and good luck on the punt.